Early in the morning on January 26, 2015, the snowy silence at Central Vermont's Cornwall-Salisbury-Covered Bridge was broken by a silver Pontiac Grand Am engulfed in flames. Denise Hart, a 24-year-old mother from Hartford, Connecticut, was borrowing the car while visiting friends for the weekend when she went missing. For the past six years, her family has felt ignored by police, who they believe put Denise's case on the back burner because she was a black woman. The burning car is just one example of how Vermont police have kept Denise's mom, Deidre Robinson, in the dark. They never said nothing to me. I found out through hearsay and had to call back down and question them. Like I said, from the beginning of this, I always felt that I got to run around. It was almost a week before Deidre heard about the car, before any news outlets covered Denise's disappearance, and before Vermont State Police agreed to open a case. It just, I haven't talked about it in so long. You know, even when people ask me questions, I'll just look at them like they're crazy. I'm Jackie O'Brien, and this is Buried in Snow, an investigation into the unsolved murder of Denise Hart, a beautiful, loved young mother who went away for the weekend and never came home. She was just a beautiful soul, like real beautiful. She was a beautiful soul. Out of there, and uh, she was there for everybody. She was always there, you know, whenever anything needed to be done or for anybody. My daughter was a people person. Uh, she that girl would give me the shirt off her back. She always looked out for other people. If you needed help and she had it, you got it. I know there's so much I can say about her. <laughs> she's a beautiful soul. Well, she's a firecracker at the same time. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we had her little, her, her little mean ways, but for the most part, Denise was a sweet person. She wasn't a bully. She didn't like bullies. She was a loving, caring person. It's so hard to put it into words. She loved to have fun. She loved swimming. She loved bowling. Um, she loved dancing. Denise was a great cook. She was also a loving mother to her three-year-old son, Benny. Benny was her world. You see her, you see him. <laughs> She was a, a great mother to her son. His world, you know, anything that he wanted. Like a tiny whatever. Anything that he needed, she made sure that he got for him. Wonderful mother. And at the time she went missing, a student studying to become either a parole or probation officer. She was going to go back and, and do something with juvenile kids. Denise was very, 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 very smart. Very, very smart. So, and, it's like certain things I just don't understand because it wasn't her. In January 2015, Denise and Benny had moved out of one apartment and were living with Deidre for the month before the lease on their new apartment began. All she was doing was waiting for the beginning of the month to move into her place. Denise left home the night of January 23rd, telling Deidre she was going to Vermont for the weekend. You know, I'm used to her going back and forth. You know, it's nothing odd. No loved ones I spoke to knew the people Denise visited personally, just that she had friends in the Rutland area. I don't know much about it. I don't know how they met, but I know that they were friends. And she frequent up there back and forth. Deidre and Denise spoke throughout the day on the 24th, 
We had multiple conversations. I might have spoken to her like 15 or 20 times. Around 9 o'clock that night, Denise told Deidre she fell asleep and was going to the store, but that she'd call her when she got back. I ended up going to sleep, not hearing from her that night. Um, 25th, she called me and she woke me up. And she was like, yeah, I kind of figured you was going to sleep if I didn't call you back last night. They continued talking throughout the day. And Denise told DJ it started snowing there, so she might be in Vermont longer than expected. But she was planning on coming home that night and even made plans to celebrate her niece's birthday the next day. No red flags, nothing. Usual conversation. What's Benny doing? Did he eat? What did he eat? And, you know, um, did I need her to stop at the store when she got back home to pick up anything? Just the usual. They spoke one more time around 10 o'clock that night. She was like, uh, I'm going to run to the store, Mom. I'll call you back. I was like, okay, well, I, me and the baby took a nap, so we'll be up. But Denise never called and wasn't answering her phone. Uh, we called her repeatedly. We called her, we called her, we called her, we called her, and no answer. Around midnight, DJ went to bed, figuring Denise planned to call back in the morning like she had the night before. The morning of the 26th, I'm calling her. Calling her, calling her, calling her, no answer, no answer, no answer, no answer, no answer, no answer. Read them three days, they got hit with bad storms. So mm -hmm. I, at this point, I'm still giving the benefit of the doubt that my daughter is just snowed in somewhere. If you check the National Weather Service's archive, you could see that there was a Category 2 nor'easter across New England that weekend. Vermont didn't get the worst of it. Rutland County, where Denise was, got 6 to 10 inches of snow between the 25th and 27th, while Boston got somewhere between 20 and 30, and Eastern Connecticut got 10 to 20 inches. Not only did Vermont get hit with storms, but we got hit with a bad, bad, bad storm as well. No storm. There was a travel ban across New England, so it kind of makes sense if Denise was stuck in Vermont. But Deidre knew something wasn't right. You know, I, I didn't want... To, to, to cause no 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 big huff, and my daughter was all right. But a mother knows when something's wrong. Maybe when things that are not normal happen. And what wasn't normal was that my daughter wasn't calling to check on her three-year-old son. She's never done that. I don't care where she could have been in West Bumble. She's calling to check on her baby. When Denise still hadn't called by the 27th, her family started getting really worried. That's her little brother, Cedric Robinson, and his twin's birthday. I spoke to her the 24th. She told me to to my older brother to come back the 27th on her birthday to, you know, celebrate with us. And I kind of knew something was wrong when our birthday came. She didn't call, didn't text, you know, nothing. So now the night of the 27th, I'm like, nah, something's not right. Something's not right. So I started calling around to her friends. Hey, have you heard from her? Have you heard from her? Because this is unlikely. Like, like I speak to my daughter every day. Every day I speak to her. I've never not gone a day without speaking to Denise. The friends Denise was visiting lived in the town of Sudbury, which is under Vermont State Police jurisdiction because it's so small, it doesn't have its own police department. But when she told her mom where she was going, Denise always just said Rutland, which is the closest city at 24 miles away. So when DJ called the police, she called Rutland PD. I called the police. Hey, I haven't spoken to my daughter in a few days. This is odd. The officer said she had to file a missing person report with her local police because Denise was from Connecticut. 
And I'm like, why? That doesn't sound right, but okay. So I um, hang up on him, not with him, on him. I proceeded to go to Hartford Police Station. Me and my oldest son, Brandon, I'm, I'm trying to talk to the police officer. And he's like, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's not here, missing? I said, no, she's in Vermont. Um, he was like, so why didn't you? So I showed him that I spoke to the police, how long I spoke to the police off my phone. And, you know, he was like, wait a minute, they told you what? So he calls down there to speak to the chief. And he explained to the chief, and chief was like, oh, yeah, it must have been a rookie. We don't understand why they told you that, because that's not how which I personally felt I got to run around. The Vetland PD chief said he would have an officer call her and take the report. But that took two days. If you're a true crime fan like me, you know the first 48 hours are the most important in a missing person investigation. It's January 29th, three days after Denise went missing, when Rutland PD finally takes a report. Okay. I'm like, okay, you know, try not to blow, you know, blow up. I'm, I'm trying to stay calm because at this point, you know, you don't think that you think maybe they're just snowed in. DJ has repeatedly told me that from the beginning, she felt police put her daughter's case on the back burner. I always felt that it was the cult. You know, and that's not right because regardless of what my skin color, I bleed the same way the next person bleeds. Florida bleeds the same way the next person bleeds. Living in the country's second whitest state, it's easy for most Vermonters, who are white, to ignore the prevalence of racism here and assume that progressive policies make us more accepting than most of America. But Vermont is far from immune to systemic racism in the criminal justice system and beyond. Vermont police, especially Rutland PD, have proven racial bias. A 2017 UVM report on traffic stops showed that Vermont State Police are 466% more likely to pull over and search a black driver's car. Rutland PD are 625% more likely to do so. Only 1.5% of the population is black, yet more black men are arrested here per capita than any other state. Tabitha Moore is a Vermont native who founded the Rutland Area NAACP. Yeah, racism in Vermont is it's very similar to racism in other places. What differs is how people respond to it. There's a general attitude among the liberal white Vermonters who make up most of the population that race isn't an issue here. Growing up in Vermont, no one talked to me about racism in the present tense. It was an issue of the past or something that happened in other places. The other problem with racism in Vermont is that it's extremely insidious because the system has been unchecked for so long, it's just a part of how this state operates from not slowing down to consider other perspectives to out and out just non-involvement or um, exclusion of uh, black and brown people in all kinds of spaces to outright hostile responses to black and brown people either speaking or being in spaces. Tabitha stepped down from her role as president of the Rutland Area NAACP last fall for the sake of her and her family's safety after receiving racist online comments and vandalism to a Black Lives Matter sign in her yard. The overwhelming sense that it is your fault on every level. You're either overreacting, you are creating the problem, or it just it doesn't exist and you're crazy. 
In the past few years, two other black women have stepped down from positions of power in the state because of racism. In 2019, Kaya Morris, who was the state's only black women legislator, resigned due to home invasions and racist vandalism on her property. Lisa Ryan was the first person of color to ever serve on Wetland City's government, but won't be running for re-election in her hometown. We know that our lives are worth and our stories and the pain that we suffer is not given the same value as white lives are here. I was living in Vermont at the time of Denise's disappearance, but never heard her story. Most Vermonters I talk to today haven't heard about it either, and those who have only vaguely remember the case. Probably because this story hasn't gotten much media attention, even though it's still the most recent of the 55 unsolved murders listed on VSP's website. Denise's case is one of seven unsolved murders listed that took place after 2000, and one of two since 2010. Lori Patton Davis, a celebrated scholar of higher education and critical race theory, studied media coverage of missing black undergraduate women. The media attention that you see around white women, it, it, it isn't parallel um, when it comes to black women. Denise's case was included in Lori's analysis. She found it had minimal local coverage and a few mentions from more national sites. I've looked at every article and cable news clip I could find on Denise's case, which I'm disappointed to say did not take very long. The media attention, the, uh, you know, urgency that the police, you know, placed behind finding someone who was white, again, contrast to what it is when it comes to black victims. I found no stories published before February 1st and few published before February 13th when VSP reported Denise's connection to the car engulfed in flames. To me, I think the way things are set up, it places the burden on black women to prove that they are worthy of attention and to prove that they are worthy of protection. If the coverage a case received was based on how loved a victim is, Denise's story would be viral. I'm this person. Oh, I'm a person so much. So, so much. Oh, that's just so hard. I could just rewind the time. I would have kept her home. Whenever I had to leave, I would trade places with her every day. Every day. Most of my tattoos are dedicated to him. Because he was so little, I was thinking that it wouldn't affect him. Mm. But no, he's depressed. You know, he doesn't have a mom. So much stuff changed. Every day was pretty much living hell. Forget this travel ban. I just want to go start looking for my daughter. But I know something was wrong. The reporting isn't just inadequate. Some parts are consistently inaccurate. They all say Denise wasn't reported missing until January 31st, four days after Deidre called Rutland PD. January 31st is actually when Vermont State Police opened a case, after Rutland passed it on to them. But that's not clarified in the articles, which all cite a Vermont State Police press release. One article from the Burlington Free Press quotes Major Glenn Hall, saying, Detectives have been scrambling since getting the late reporting missing persons complaint. Not clarifying that Wetland PD were the ones who took their time reporting the disappearance gives the impression that Denise's family didn't care to report it earlier. And as you've heard, that is not the case. Media has an opportunity to really shape whether or not those who are reading will care or if they will say that it was that woman's fault. 
you know, there are a lot of things that go into that. And so you have the media, you know, writing stories and shaping stories in a particular way. And they're shaped within a larger context of stereotypes about black women anyway. Some articles claim that Deidre hadn't spoken to Denise in two weeks, further implying that the late start to her search is the family's fault. That made no sense to me until Vetland PD's commander of professional standards, David Lachance, emailed me information from their report. Vetland PD refused an interview with me, and I can't get any case files because the case is still open, but this is what the email said. On January 29, 2015, Denise Hart's mother reported to RPD she had not heard from her daughter for two weeks and was worried about her. She provided information that her daughter would travel from Connecticut to Rutland weekly, and the last time she spoke with her daughter, she was with two subjects. She provided the names of the two subjects. She also provided the officer with a description of her daughter and identifying marks. She advised her daughter had friends in Vermont and had been looking for a job. The officer contacted both of the subjects identified by Hart's mother and was provided limited information as to their relationship with Hart and their last contact with her. It was learned through these conversations that Hart may have been in possession of one of the subjects' vehicles, and a BOL was issued for Hart and said vehicle. On January 31, 2015, Hart's aunt contacted RPD and was advised what actions had been taken thus far. The aunt provided the officer with further information the family had obtained through their own investigation up to that point. This information contained names, phone numbers, and statements from several people Hart may have had contact with in Vermont. Also provided were several pictures of Denise Hart. On January 31, 2015, the investigation revealed Hart was missing from Sudbury, Vermont. VSP was immediately contacted and provided the information RPD had been provided since VSP had the jurisdiction of Sudbury. How did Denise's story get so mixed up by officers whose job it is to find facts and create accurate timelines? This report is inaccurate. It completely ignores the fact that Deidre had to wait two days for officers to even call her back to take a report, when they should have been jumping on leads immediately. According to data shared with me by the Vermont State Police, an average of just 12 people per year are murdered in the whole state of Vermont. So what was Rutland PD doing that was more important than someone missing under suspicious circumstances? Why did Denise's family have to force a proper investigation to be open under Vermont State Police? Police simplified the timeline in their reports and press releases to look better, placing the blame for their delayed reaction on a suffering family, loved ones who are victims themselves, and have been even more victimized by the way police treated them and how they've treated the life of their daughter, sister, friend, mother, Denise Lynette Hart. In the next episode, we'll speak to loved ones who traveled to Vermont the weekend of the 31st and hear how they had to convince police to do their job. If you know anything about the disappearance and murder of Denise Hart, please contact Vermont State Police. This has been episode one of Buried in Snow. The show is hosted, written, and produced by me, Jackie O'Brien, with music by Joseph McCabe. If you like the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to stay up to date on future episodes. If you can, please rate and review. It'll help the podcast grow and Denise's story be spread. 
You can follow at Buried in Snow Pod on Instagram and Twitter and reach me at buriedinsnowpod at gmail.com.